0: Hey friend, welcome to another episode of the NSN Shift Support Podcast. Happy Tuesday! Um, I'm recording this on Monday evening. The weekend kind of got away from me, but I'm happy to be back in this space again talking to you. I hope you all had a good weekend. I have had a very busy past week of work. If you haven't listened to my past two episodes, I am now working as a home health nurse, which I'm really excited about am really enjoying so far um go listen to those last two episodes to learn more and kind of get a little life update from me but um I just had a really busy and kind of not great week if I'm being honest um I was really reflecting on it uh today and I was like okay so it was rough um I definitely by Friday was on the verge of tears um but I still don't think it was as bad as even You know, just kind of an average day at the hospital. It was stressful and things, but I had time to recoup in between each stressful situation. And I had moments to myself where I could breathe, I could eat, I could drink something, I could sit down. So, yeah, I survived. I unfortunately um, have had two patients pass away in the past week. I was on call and I got called out at like 1045 last night. Um, so, you know, I was up late finishing my charting and then had to get up this morning for work. Um, but the good thing is you can kind of control your schedule some as a home health nurse, um, especially if you're not working all five days. So I had already planned after talking to one of the experienced home health nurses who suggested I kind of push off some, or I kind of miss some appointments, and visits if I could um, so I could have some time tomorrow to finish charting. Tomorrow being today um, to finish some charting and just kind of take a breather. So that's what I did. Really thankful after I got the call and had to go to a patient's home at almost 11 o'clock last night. But I'm officially off call. Um, this week doesn't look too bad as far as visits so hopefully they don't give me a ton of admissions. And I am really excited for this weekend off I have to say. So I hope you all are doing well, but let's get into the episode. So today we're going to do nursing in the news. Um, I kind of would like to have this be a regular thing on the podcast. I don't know if we'll do um, monthly or, you know, quarterly, or I'll kind of wait until we have some big stories to go over, but I feel like there's some big things happening in the news right now, and let's talk about it. So the first thing is, I'm a little behind on getting around to talking on the podcast, but I still wanted to talk about it, which is the New York nursing strike. Um, So over 7,000 nurses from two hospitals. Montefiore? Montefiore? I really should have looked up how to say that. But Medical Center in the Bronx and Mount Sinai in Manhattan. So... The strike was obviously because they were asking for an increase in money i don't believe there had been a union contract in four years because of contract or because of covid excuse me so they were asking for more money but the main concern was unsafe staffing and poor working conditions they were saying this led to stress and burnout of nurses it led to nurses leaving and it's not safe for patients Which I think if anyone has worked any time in healthcare, then you know how um, big of a crisis staffing-wise we are in. Even places like California that have um, state-mandated nurse-to-patient ratios are having issues because they don't have the staff. A lot of staff left during COVID, they're burnt out, they're going to other positions, or they're leaving nursing altogether, and I can't blame them. I am one of them. Um, going into home health. But um, I really thought it was interesting and great to see um, the news segments and things that I did see. I don't watch the news a lot, to be honest, because it's not good for my anxiety. But I do try to keep up with what's going on. And I really noticed um, that they were talking about the poor working conditions and unsafe unstate staf- unstate staffing And they really focused on that, which was great because I think it's really easy, especially for the hospitals, to try to kind of vilify the nurses and say, you know, oh, they're just selfish, they're after more money. Which, first off, I don't think that's selfish at all, especially from CEOs who are making, you know, five times a nurse's salary just in their bonus. So I think it's really um, arrogant and just, you know, like the pot calling the kettle black or whatever that saying is for them to say that nurses shouldn't be asking for more money. But also, you know, they are, they were on strike for their patients. They wanted their patients to have better work conditions they deserve and were wanting better work conditions. Um, one ER nurse that talked about having up to 15 patients talked about just doing the basics for a patient. And I really resonated with that. And I think a lot of us can, where you feel like you can't give the care that the patient deserves or the care you would like to give. You're just there to give meds, you know, a quick assessment. You're pretty much just keeping them alive and keeping your head above water for the whole shift, which is not what anyone deserves when they seek out health care, especially in a country with as much money and power and education as America. Um, at the hospital in the Bronx, they apparently had 700 open nursing positions. In Mount Sinai, the one in Manhattan, had over 500 open positions. And, um, yeah, I mean, that right there tells you how desperately they need nurses. Um, the hospital in the Bronx. Bronx will receive a 19.1 percent wage increase over three years, and they are creating over 170 new nursing positions. And I had read that they were working on some incentives and things to um, try to encourage uh, nurses to come work there. Uh, try to encourage staff to pick up overtime when they feel they can, which I think is great, but you know when you see that they have 700 positions open and they're adding 170 that's great but I just wonder you know where are these nurses going to come from so I think retention and recruitment are going to be really really big for these hospitals and I'm really interested to um, see how this goes for them so if you were on Involved in the New York nurse strike, congratulations. I'm very happy for you that you came to an agreement. I think it's really sad that we had to actually go on strike before the hospital would listen to us or listen to you. But um, unfortunately, that seems to be the way things are right now. But I'm really proud of you all. And I'm really interested to see where this goes. Next thing we're going to talk about is the Florida nurse scheme. If you have been on any type of social media whatsoever, I'm sure you've seen about this. The alleged defendants took part in a scam that sold over 7,600 fraudulent nursing degree diplomas from, th- from three Florida-based nursing schools. 7,600. 25 people so far have been charged and they could face up to 20 years in prison. Uh, the people that have been charged are the people who were directly involved with the scheme. So the people who were recruiting, who were helping to make these fake diplomas. Um, I even read that they went as far to complete classes for the people that were enrolled and using this fake school. Um, the scheme made $114 million between 2016 and 2021. Uh, the, I believe they're calling them the co-conspirators, the fraudulent nurses, fake nurses, um, from what I'm reading, most of them will not be charged criminally, so they will not go to jail or anything for what they did, but obviously they will be losing their license. Um, a large portion of nurses were Haitian Americans from the, um, area in Miami. So I was concerned I know some of them are LPNs looking for RN license and such so I'm really interested to learn how this was presented to them was this presented as some type of like endorsement for their education outside of the U.S. um the more I learned the more it does seem like it was pretty blatantly obvious that this was just a flat out fraudulent scheme um but again when we have people that are immigrants um that are maybe from more marginalized uh communities i think it's just important to keep in mind that the system really can take advantage of those people and like i said the more i learned the more i think they probably did know what they were doing but i still think um it's something to be discussed and you know why did they choose to you know go out you to um present this to that community and such so um obviously this is a giant issue and I think um right now a lot of what I'm seeing on social media and such is just kind of looking at the nurses like you know how could you do this um put patients at risk these fake nurses are you know you know it's not okay it's scary especially when I um have read that some of them were even working with like pediatric home care which those um patients tend to be very medically fragile and complicated uh complex they you know might have traits they might be on vents and so to think of a parent thinking they're getting a nurse who has proper education and training um coming to help them with their sick child and then it's someone that didn't even go to nursing school that's just really it hurts my heart for those people and I would be very upset and I do think it's, you know, really concerning um, for nursing as a profession when people trust us so much and the public tends to kind of run with things. So, you know, when they're being told that there's fake nurses out there, 7,600 is a lot of nurses, but considering there's, I think, like 5 million nurses in the U.S., you know, it's a very, very small percent. But I just can see patients, you know, accusing people of being fraudulent, especially at they're from or in Florida um, so I just think it's not great for the nursing profession but I haven't really seen a lot of people talking about how this is a giant system issue and this is so much bigger than some people deciding to buy a, a fake nursing degree um, and it kind of even shows like the collapse of healthcare care that we're in like how did the boredom nursing not realize that this was a fraudulent program um I know there's so many programs I'm sure it's really hard to um really investigate all of them but surely they do surely these programs are having to present information and things to them so I just it's really concerning that this was even a possibility and I just think that you know as we become more desperate for healthcare workers and Healthcare is really, like I said, just kind of the system is starting to collapse. This is just kind of, you know, another proof that we really need to work on our healthcare and making sure our patients are safe and other healthcare workers are safe. And it's just, it's wild. I really can't believe it. Um, and like I said, it's not even like a. It is a very small percent of the nurses in the nation. But 7,600 is not a small number. That is a lot. And it's been going on since 2016. And we're just now like really putting an end to it. It's just scary. But would love to hear your thoughts on that as well. So head over to Instagram and send me any thoughts you might have. The last um, nursing in the news I kind of want to go over is a really, really sad case. And again, if you've been on social media or watched the news at all. I'm sure you've heard of it, but um, Lindsay Clancy, she was a Massachusetts L and D nurse who was suffering from postpartum psychosis, and unfortunately, she strangled three of her children before jumping out a window in a suicide attempt. Um, I just when you think of that and you hear about it, it's just so heartbreaking. Um, apparently she had been inpatient psych, uh, for treatment. Insurance, as always, decided her time was done. They tried to appeal it. Um, they weren't able to. So she came home. The husband actually started working from home. Because she was, you know, he was told by, uh, professionals not to leave her alone with the children, I guess. Um, he left to get takeout and when he returned he called 911 because all three children were unresponsive and his wife had jumped from their top floor in their home in an attempt to um commit suicide so um they all three were tra- the three children were transported to the ER the 5-year-old daughter and 3-year-old son were pronounced dead shortly after arrival and the eight-month-old later was pronounced dead. Um, Lindsay, the nurse, the mother, was arrested for two counts of homicide, three counts of strangulation, three counts of assault and battery with a deadly weapon. And I know she's looking at at least life. I'm not sure if she's looking at the death penalty. Um, she was on leave from work as well. So, you know, she was trying to get help. I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but I think this really paints a picture of how much we fail mothers in our country. um, Parents in general, birthing people, Um, you know, postpartum depression um, has increased. I think I read threefold since um, the pandemic. And, you know, postpartum psychosis is different than depression. Um, you know, postpartum depression can obviously be dangerous and really awful for people. But, but psychosis, you know, they tend to, or you may be hearing voices. You may be seeing things that aren't there. You, um, it's not uncommon for them to, you know, have thoughts of needing to hurt their children or themselves. So um, to imagine what she was going through. And what the kids went through, and now her husband's going through, you know, because he's alone. And his wife is in a hospital, and when she's discharged, she'll be going to jail, prison, and, you know, court. And I just can't imagine when she does get better to the point that she realizes what happened, just how horrible and just heartbreaking that will be. Um, The husband actually released the statement that, you know, if we knew the real Lindsay, we would know that she was a loving mother, a caring mother, a wonderful wife, and he had forgiven her. And he wanted other people to forgive her as well, which I think really just shows how sick she was. And how, you know, they were trying to get the help they need, but unfortunately it wasn't enough. So I think this is probably something I'll continue to talk about on the podcast, not necessarily her case, but just maternal mental health, um, mental health after birth, and, you know, just kind of keep the conversation going, how important it is that we um, support new parents and have access to, you know, health care, and it's just, it's really really sad but I'm thinking of the hospital staff and first responders who um, have been working with the children or with Lindsay I know that has to be really hard Um, I hope they have someone to talk to that they're getting professional debriefing um, and getting the support they need and just a reminder if you are thinking of hurting yourself or others or you feel you need help Please call 911. um, the Suicide Lifeline, reach out to a family member or a friend. Um, I think therapy is great and everyone should be in therapy at at least some point in their life. Um, but yeah, we don't have to do it alone. Please reach out for help. And ending this podcast on a little bit of a sad note, but I think it's important to talk about. And my thoughts are just with everybody involved. So thank you for joining us for another episode. Um, we'll take a little bit of a turn and before we leave, I will give you a positive affirmation to get you through your shift ahead. Today's affirmation for your shift ahead is I am capable and can take on the challenges for today. I am capable and can take on the challenges for today. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you have a great shift and we will talk again soon. Bye.